You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Don't get caught up in those lofty things, those profound matters. The Apostle Paul, writing in his letter, would say, don't get involved in these arguments. I mean, they're, they're just a bottomless pit. You can just go back and forth, back and forth on things that all they do is they just end up creating more and more conflict and creating more and more why questions that can never be answered this side of heaven. Does it seem impossible to obtain a calm, peaceful life? Too often we allow pride, selfish ambition, and why questions to get in the way of living the life God intended. In today's message with Pastor J.D., we will dive into Psalms 131 and learn practical ways to live a peaceful life. After all, lasting peace only comes from the Lord. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 131, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Psalm 131, and we are going to, Lord willing, make it to Psalm 134. These are some short psalms. I think we're the exception of one of these psalms, like this one. It's only three verses, but oh my goodness, so much in it, so packed, full. So, This again is another song of ascents. We'll talk more about that later. But there were 15 psalms that were called songs, which is what psalms are, songs of ascents that were sung as the Jews would ascend up to Jerusalem on the southern steps. For those of you who have been to Israel with us, they're on their way to the temple and they would sing these songs as they made their way up to the temple to worship during the celebration of the feasts. And as one noted, and it's just kind of one of those side notes that I think is very interesting, it is very likely, it is believed that Jesus would sing these very psalms. This is a song of ascents, and this one we're told is one that was written by David. So verse 1, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. I have to say that Psalm 131, though only again three verses, is so packed full of very practical wisdom. And I love how David pens these words and likens it to a baby, an infant that has been weaned, and 
if you will, is no longer fussy. The baby is calm. I tell you, there's nothing better than a calm baby, especially when you have had what they call, when my wife and I were told, they have terms for these kids, these babies. They're called active alert. Translated, you'll never sleep again. Our second uh, son, Levi, who's now 18, I, we were, I was just sharing this again this last week. He has a friend visiting from college from California, and I was talking about how when he was born, I truly thought something was wrong with him, because our first son was born, I mean, screaming and wailing, and you know, of course I was there. I got to cut the umbilical cord, and it's like, now what do I do? And I mean, he was screaming. Levi, when he was born, he was not screaming. He was smiling. I thought, oh my goodness, something's wrong here. (laughs) And I, I actually asked the nurses, I said, is this normal? And they said, oh, you've got an easy baby. And they were absolutely right. But we've always called him our lovey Levi. He was so calm, so easy, so quiet, rarely cried. I mean, his birth picture right out of the womb, he's smiling. And I'm thinking, why couldn't all of our children (laughs) been like that? But this is what David is painting here on the canvas of this psalm. He's likening his soul, his calm and quieted soul, to that of an infant that has been weaned and is no longer fussy. You know how babies, when they want a nurse, boy, they'll let you know. And they're so fussy and cranky and they're crying. And now the weaned infant no longer does that because now they're quiet, they're calm, because they know they're going to get what they need. And this is what David is likening himself to. Now, I found three practical ways that David mentions here that we can realize this in our lives. It probably goes without saying, but I don't think there's a one of us here that doesn't want a life that is peaceful and calm and quiet and simple, not complicated, right? What's the antithesis of peace and calm? Chaotic, turmoil, tumultuous. So notice this first way. Again, very practical. It's that of not being haughty or arrogant. You want to live a peaceful life, a quiet life, a simple life, then pride cannot be a part of your life. If you really think about it, it's pride that breeds quarrels and fights. Why do you fight, James asks, seemingly rhetorically. Is it not because of your pride and your selfish ambition? And that's really what David says is the second way to live a peaceful and calm life. Notice he says that he has not set his eyes on lofty and selfish ambitions. Nothing wrong with ambition would to God that we would have more ambition when it comes to the things of God, but it's the selfish ambition. 
that comes packaged with the striving, striving to gain, jockeying for position. That is the antithesis of peace and calm and quiet. That is a life riddled with turmoil, riddled with conflict, not peace, not calm, not quiet. It's this third one, it's really interesting. It's that of not concerning ourselves with great and profound matters. In other words, not letting our hearts be troubled with those things that are too high for our understanding. You know, I think about Deuteronomy 29, 29. It's kind of a go-to verse when you don't know the answer to something, and somebody asks you the why question. Why does God allow this, or why does God do this? Deuteronomy 29, 29 basically says this, the secret things of the Lord thy God belong to the Lord thy God. In other words, there are certain things that are just too high for our understanding. We will never get the why questions answered this side of heaven. And even if God tries, it's not that, it's not that God won't tell us, it's that God knows He can't. Why? Because, think about it, how can a God who is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, infinite, answer and satisfy that which is finite? You know what would happen, right? It would be just like that little three, five-year-old. They ask you, why is the sky blue? So you try your best. Well, because it's a reflection of the water. Well, why is it the reflection of the water? Well, because, and then you, you just keep going down this road. Why, 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 why? Ay, 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 ay. You can never answer all of the why questions. It's impossible. And I think that's the way it is with us, with the Lord. It's not the that the Lord is saying, well, I can't tell you why I'm withholding from you. I can't tell you. It's, it's more like this. It's, I want to tell you, but there's no way you'd be able to comprehend, fathom. It's unfathomable. It is incomprehensible. If I even tried, it's like the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's talking about, and it's in the third person. And it's 14 years after it happens, which always, and I don't, don't mean to go off on this, but too late, I already kind of did. I always wonder about those who say that they, you know, saw what heaven looks like, and then they write a book. I'm not being disparaging. I don't want to be derogatory. I just have to ask myself, and maybe it's just me, you'll forgive me, but if the Apostle Paul who was caught up to the third heaven, and saw glory, the glory that awaits, and would try to even describe it. And when he does, it is so impossible to articulate it, and he's so blown away by it, that he speaks of it in the third person. I know a man. He's talking about himself. And... 14 years, it's almost like reluctantly he shares about being caught up to the third heaven. And oh, by the way, it was for that reason that God gave him a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble 
because of that which God had showed to him. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. That's by God's design. So whatever it was, some believe it was a physical infirmity. Others believe it was something else. But whatever it was, we can fill in the blank in our own lives. I think God kept that open-ended so that it would be applicable to us. Because if we knew what that thorn in the flesh was specifically, then we would dismiss it because, well, that's not my struggle. No, we all have a thorn in the flesh. And whatever that thorn in the flesh is in your life, it's that which God has to keep in your life because it keeps you humbly dependent upon Him and Him alone. See, Paul could have gotten real heady. He could have gotten real proud. I was caught up to the third heaven. I saw things you cannot even imagine. And so I wrote a book, thirty-nine ninety-five. <laughs> what heaven looks like. And you too, if you order today. <laughs> I mean, 14 years later, and then reluctantly and very carefully and certainly humbly, he describes in the third person that which he saw. And interesting, we see through a glass darkly or dimly or blurry. In other words, you have no idea of that which awaits. So I think what David is saying here is, don't get caught up, you'll forgive the pun, no pun intended, don't get caught up in those lofty things, those profound matters. The Apostle Paul writing in his letter would say, don't get involved in these arguments. I mean, they're, they're just a bottomless pit. You can just go back and forth, back and forth on things that all they do is they just end up creating more and more conflict and creating more and more why questions that can never be answered this side of heaven. If you'll just indulge me for a moment, I want to share with you regarding this, because this, and I'm just going to be very transparent with you and open with you and say to you that this is one of the greatest struggles in my life. And that is living a life that is calm, quiet, turning the volume of my life down. And the volume in my life gets pretty loud sometimes, most of the time. But it's trying to live and quiet my life so I can have that intimacy with the Lord. You know, busyness can be the greatest plague in the life of a Christian. And the enemy knows it too, by the way. Again, just speaking from my own personal experience, the enemy uses busyness in my life to get me so caught up in just the busyness of life, being a pastor, being a parent, being a father of three children, being a husband, being all of the above, and living in Hawaii, one of the most expensive places on the planet to live. I mean, the busyness of life can be the enemy of a quieted soul. So I want to share with you a book that I have in my library. I read it often, 
I've read it many times. I've lost count, actually. It's more of a devotional, and I don't recommend it for the faint at heart, if I can say it that way. There's a number of books that I have that I don't recommend. It's going to be very convicting, and I think the title says it all. It's written by Chuck Swindoll. I think many of you know him, but it's called Intimacy with the Almighty. Listen to what he had to say. Some of God's best truths, like priceless treasures, are hidden in depths most folks never take the time to search out. We have made ourselves very complicated. Oh, my goodness. Those who determine to simplify their lives quickly discover it is a rigorous solo voyage against the wind. Noise and words are frenzied. Hectic schedules dull our senses closing our ears to His still, small voice, and making us numb to His touch. Noise and crowds have a way of siphoning our energy and distracting our attention, making prayer and worship an added chore rather than a comforting relief. If the pace and push, the noise and the crowds are getting to you, <laughs> can I get a witness here? <laughs> it's time to stop the nonsense and find a place of solace to refresh your spirit. Dare I add, as David would write, quiet your soul. How busy we have become, and as a result, how empty we have become. Simplicity, silence, solitude, and surrender will make the pause and the hush sing a double song. And then he quotes Psalm 46.10, you know it. Be still and know that I am God. By the way, the names for God, that's an interesting and fascinating study unto itself. But when God says, I am, I am, it's open-ended, meaning I am whatever you need. What do you need right now? You know what I need? I need Psalm 131 in my life. I need calm. I need quiet. Let me tell you, it is one of the hardest things for me to do, is to just shut everything off, lock the door, because I know what's coming through that door, and I want to deal with it right now. I don't have the grace to deal with that right now. I need to spend time with the Lord. I need that intimacy with Him. I need that time with Him. I need to just, <laughs> and this is hard for some personality types, and you know who you are. Those of us who are kinesthetic and 
you know, we always have to be doing something. And oh my goodness, God forbid, we just sit and do nothing. Does not the guilt set in? I think about Elijah. I can't wait to meet Elijah. I mean, his personality type, you, you know the type, right? I mean, he, he's the kind of guy that everything has to be big and dramatic. And had to have fire too. I'm not suggesting he was a pyromaniac, but I mean the fiery chariot ride up and then he called down, you know, we had Mark doing the fire, you know, didn't burn down the thank you for not burning the church down, consuming the altar of Baal, the children's ministry on Sunday. So then, you know, after he calls fire down and it consumes the sacrifice to Baal, and then he kills, he slays 450 of the prophets of Baal, and then Jezebel, this evil, evil woman, demon-possessed, I believe. Ahab with her, her husband too, by the way, evil king. So she puts a contract out on his life. And so here's Elijah. He just got done slaying 450 prophets of Baal. He just got done calling fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice to Baal. And then he hears that Jezebel's going to kill him. What does he do? He runs for his life. And he, he's got a contract out on his life. He runs for his life and he asks God to take his life. Are you kidding me? What happened to Elisha, my hero, calling fire down from heaven? Praise that it won't rain, then praise that it will rain. This guy's a powerful man. And now he's running for his life from Jezebel? Really? What in the world is going on? And so God, God is so gentle with us, so patient with us, right? So God finds him hiding in this cave. And he says to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah just starts whining. They're, you know, they're all bowing their knee to bow, and I, you know, here I am, I'm serving you. And he's upset with the Lord. He's disappointed that the Lord did not kill Jezebel, that God did not do what he expected him to do. He's, he's mad at God. And he's like, just shoot me now. Put me out of my misery. I mean, after all I did, and I was sure that you were going to take out Ahab and Jezebel. And now you're going to let Jezebel get away with trying to kill me. And it's like God's saying, do you think I can protect you from Jezebel, Elijah? And oh, by the way, just so you know, I got 7,000 just like you in Jerusalem that aren't bound their knee to Baal. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Psalms. While our time with you is ending, your study of God's Word doesn't have to. Everyone can learn from the Bible, and everyone will be blessed when they open their hearts to its truth. As you spend time in Scripture today, ask God to share His heart directly with yours and be open to whatever He has to teach you. Know that we're praying for you as you study and will continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. 
Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. while you're there or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth.